Good morning, everybody. Turn to your neighbor and say good morning. Smile if you can. Smile is always good. It's never bad not to smile. And Father, as we study your word, we thank you that lives can be changed in one moment. So change lives today in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. It's good to see you all. Uh, today we're talking about the blessing of God's tithe. Would you repeat that with me, please? And turn to the last book in the Old Testament. You can actually go to Matthew and go back a page or two. Malachi. And uh, I may be frozen up back here, gentlemen. While they unfreeze me, <clears throat> let's read the passage. So you got your Bibles? Hold your Bibles up. Let me see them. Excellent. Now, Malachi chapter 1, verse 6. Verse 6 is the theme for the entire book. It's a short book. It's very important. Let me see if it's working. Okay. I don't think it's working. <laughs> Maybe I did something. Jeremy, did I do something up here? <clears throat> Verse 6, a son honors his father, chapter 1, and a servant his master. Then if I'm a father, where is my honor? And if I'm a master, where is my respect, says the Lord of hosts to you? You priest who despise my name, you say, well, how have I despised your name? The next couple of chapters talk about it been unfaithful to your wives you've given the lord leftovers you've broken your word you've not kept my statutes and my covenant and then jump over to chapter three and this starts in verse number eight it says will a man rob god yet you're robbing me but you say well how have we robbed you and tithes and offerings. And then the verse, aha, look, what a magic man. Give him a round of applause. Is your grandmother here today, Mr. Jeremy? Where is she? Oh, she's already at lunch. I'm sorry. She wouldn't ask me, dead gummit. We're going to lunch. Verse 9, you're cursed with a curse, for you're robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so there, they may, there may be food in my house and test me in this, says the Lord, and see if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing. Everyone say blessing until it overflows. Verse 11, if you do that, you get verse 11. Then I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruit of the ground, nor will your vine in the field cast its grapes. Remember, this is an agrarian society. If you're a farmer and you lose your crop, you're in trouble. Verse 12, all the nations will call you what? Blessed, for you shall be a delightful land, says the Lord. Now, your pastor today has an ulterior motive. Is that okay if I tell you up front? Here's my, uh, my ulterior motive. I want to see you do well. I want you to thrive. I want you to prosper. Do you know what the biblical term prosper means? That you do well. How many want your children to do well? Hold your hand up. Guess what? Your father wants you to do well. And would you like for the Lord to bless you? this next year is that a yes or no amen i want his blessings but i just urge you to pay attention now here i was raised in the church uh, we never really studied the bible in my church which is really sad and uh, my family never read the bible so we didn't know what was in it my family never prayed and what i'm going to share with you i had to hear at a conference it's so sad. I had to go outside my church to hear the gospel. I had to go outside my church to hear 
how I could be financially free. I had to do that. And what happened is my life and my wife's life changed hearing this one time 39 years ago. It marked our life. And so I want you to pay attention. You wrestle with the scripture. You don't have to agree with me, but I want you to wrestle with what the scripture says. <clears throat> now, you have one of these in your program, your bulletin. Everybody pull it out. Pull it out and wave it at me. <clears throat> we are a most unusual church. We hardly ever pass an offering plate. We just don't do it. People give in boxes back there. And the reason they do this is because once or twice a year, I talk about being faithful. And this is what we've used. We've used this for 28 years since I've been here. And I want to say, if you're new, you're a guest, please don't worry about this. But if this is your church home and we're your church family, this is what your church family does. We've done it all these years. And it's one of the main reasons we're so blessed. Okay, now look at the card. At the card, it's got three boxes at the top. First box says, I believe it's biblical. And I will honor the Lord with a tithe this next year. And I essentially know what my income will be. And this is what I guesstimate it to be. This is not a pledge. No one will call you about this. But our board does help set their budget with it. Okay? The second box is, I'm not quite there, but I want to get started. And this is what I estimate the Lord would have me do. The third box is for missions. It's actually called a faith promise. Say it with me, please. A faith promise. And it's how we raise money. $400,000 probably this year for missions. Okay? And what this says is, I'm asking the Lord to put this extra amount in my hand next year, whatever that is. And as he does it, I'm going to give it to missions through my local church. Pretty exciting. At the bottom, I feel God calling me to vocational ministry, or I want to adopt one of our missionaries, or I want to go on a short-term trip. So the next Sunday, at the conclusion, which is our mission Sunday, people will walk forward and place these. My wife and I will do ours, and we put it in our offering basket there, and that's how we do it. Matter of fact, the last service, I was surprised people just jumped up and they were ready to do it then. I should have said, no, 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 follow the rules, but I didn't do that. Bad preacher, bad boy, sweet people. <clears throat> okay, are you ready? Let's, let's go through the passage. Let me help you because I want to be a blessing. If you figure this out and you're 15 or you're 25 or you're 45, if you figure this out, this will be a huge blessing. If you're 65 and you just now figure this out, it will still be a huge blessing. What I just read to you is God's plan for blessing you. I just read it to you. The Father said this, if you do this, all the nations of the earth will call you what? All the nations of the earth will call you blessed. You shall be a delightful nation, says the Lord. Do you know what the word delightful means? When I first saw my now wife walk in the room where I was, I went, oh my, that is delightful. <laughs> Good cup of coffee on a really cold day. Whoa, that is delightful. Good trip to the beach. That's delightful. Uh, there's a young lady that was about in that area a while ago. She goes to Woodford County High School. She hit me up last week and said, we're raising money for our cheerleaders. Would you buy a pie for $12? And I said, do you have a pecan pie? She said, we do. I said, I'm in. <laughs> because if I see a pecan pie, it is biblically, my response would be, what? Delightful. 
I gave her the money this morning. If it, she never shows up with my pie, that will be undelightful. <laughs> so what is the tithe? Definition. The tithe is the first 10% of all your income. The Greek word for tithe literally means 10. It's not 9%. It's not 3%. It's not 20%. It is 10%. Bring the whole tithe into my house. The first 10, you know what that means? That's before taxes, before Social Security, before Christmas layaway, before United Way, before all the other ways. It's the first part. Proverbs says, honor the Lord from the what? From the first of your wealth. When we started doing this, uh, I quit a job. I was working for a radio station. We'd been married two years, and I quit a job because I was self-righteous and a Excuse me, biblically, the word would be jerk. And I was arrogant, thought I could just get a job making this same kind of income. It took me six months, and we like to starve. It was horrible. And when we heard this, we said, this is our financial, this is our problem. I mean, we made good money. But we were behind. We couldn't pay our bills. My house payment was three months behind. My car payment was about three months behind. I had to park it a block away at night. You know why? Because Mr. GM GMAC wanted my vehicle. And I could not pay them back if I had no vehicle. We came home at night in the wintertime, and there was no power in the wintertime. I said, honey, isn't this romantic? She said, no. <laughs> it's not romantic. It's not fun. So when we decided to do this, I said, we got to write the check. Every month or every other week, don't pay the power bill. Don't pay the house payment. Don't pay GMAC. Don't pay the newspaper. Don't pay the doctor bill. Pay the Lord first, and then we'll deal with it. If you don't pay the Lord first, you won't have anything left over to pay him. Does that make sense? So that's why we discovered I have to do it first. The tithe, one of the purposes of the tithe is to combat two of the devil's greatest tools against you. And it's messed with you for a long time. You don't even know it. One is fear. Everyone say fear. How do I know the devil has messed with me? in regards to fear, because people say things like this. I've said it. Well, I can't obey the Lord. Why? I can't obey the Lord because I won't have enough. What is that? That is fear. What are you looking at? What's your focus? Either God's faithful or he's not. Fear will keep you from obeying the Lord. And the other one is greed. Everyone say greed. You know what the definition of greed is? I need more, 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 more for me, me, me. I need to take care of myself, self, self. In my first little church in, the, in Shelby County, I had a number of older farmers. They wonderful people. They loved God, but they were hoarders. Not junk, but money. One little widow lady, she was sitting on 650, 750,000. I don't know what she said. She was so tight you could hear her walking. We, our little church was growing. People were coming to Christ every week. We just tried to buy some plastic tables for the fellowship hall we fixed up because we were feeding people. And the tables were $12. And I asked Louise if she could spare $12. She says, I can't afford that. I might not have enough. When Louise died, you know what happened to her $750,000? Her alcoholic, worthless son got his greedy hands on it and ran through it in six months. We're talking about greed. We're talking about fear. 
and it's probably messed with you. And let me say, these are spirits. These are unclean spirits that whisper this stuff to your head and your heart. Unclean spirits, and they will steal your future. Because you will clutch instead of obey the Lord and be generous. Now, here's a verse Jesus said in Luke 12. Say it with me, please. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of life does not consist in the abundance of stuff. When you die, how much do you leave? You leave it all. You leave it all. Jesus said this. You cannot love God and at the same time love money. There's nothing wrong with making money. There's nothing wrong with making a ton of money. But you got to love God first and let him use your money for his glory. It's a huge threat. It's already messed with a bunch of us, these twin demons. B, the tithe is a test. Everyone say test. You ever, you ever had a test? You ever had an exam? Where the God of this is a test where the God of heaven takes his huge foot and draws a line across the sand of the universe saying, Steve, I know you're afraid. I know you want to clutch. Only place in the whole scripture he says it. Step over the line if you trust me. Because when you honor the Lord with tithes and offerings, you are showing who you love. Say you love Jesus, that's great. The best way to know that you love Jesus is to look at a person's checkbook. And it shows who you honor. Will you honor yourself or will you honor the Lord first? Let me say again, I'm going to say a lot of the same things over and over and over because we have to get this in our head. The tithe is never about money. People think it's about money. It is not about money. It's about a heart. What's the state of your heart? Are you clutching or are you generous? Jesus said where your treasure is, that's where your what? That's where your heart is. It's never, never, ever about money. So the Lord, we just read it. This is true for people in Australia, people in Germany, people in South Korea, people in Argentina, people in Chicago, people in Phoenix, people in Lexington. The Lord asked his people to bring the first 10% of their income into the local house, the storehouse. The place where they belong. People need a church to belong to. People need a family. People need a place where people know their name. He says it twice in my house. Now, I could spend hours on this, but I'll spend just a few minutes. There are actually three levels of giving in the scripture. The first one is tithes, and the scripture says it's his. It's actually not my tithe. I'm not giving my tithe. I'm giving his tithe. It belongs to him. The second level is offerings. Offerings are anything above 10%. My wife, once a month, writes a tithe check to our local church. She also writes a mission check, which is an offering. And often she writes a check to help the Jews, the Jewish people, because we love them. And we know if we bless the Jews, God looks at that pretty cool, pretty awesome. And so those are our offerings. If I help somebody, I, I do it out of an offering. If I support somebody on a mission trip, I do it out of an offering. And the third is extravagant giving. 
What do you mean extravagant giving? Well, Jesus said, here's a standard. Freely you have received. Don't close your hand. Keep your hand open. Freely you should give. Be free to give all your entire life. Now, here's several examples of extravagant giving. There's actually two women, two women in the New Testament that did most unusual things. They, here's the story of Mary, the sister of Lazarus. And during a meal where Jesus was at table, and back then there were no chairs like we have today. And so at a special meal, people would be kind of laying down in a prone position, you know, comforted with pillows, leaning on an elbow, and their feet often would be exposed. And this woman, Mary in this case, came up behind him, and she did a most wonderful thing. She spent what was about a, a whole year's wage and had a very ornate vial with this spikenard ointment, which is the same spice that one of three spices put on Jesus' body when he was wrapped in the cloths and put in the tomb. Very, you get it in a small place in Africa. It's very expensive. And she lathered his feet in this perfume, this ointment, and with tears running down her face, she actually took her hair, her beautiful, long, dark hair, and dried his feet. And the scripture says the fragrance of that filled the entire room. Now there's a guy watching this kind of like this, and his name was Judas. You know what Judas said? Well, boy, that's a waste. That's a real waste. We could have fed hundreds of poor people with that money. And the scripture tells us why he said that. He was a thief. He was a thief. And he used to steal from their little box they carried around because he was a thief. He didn't care about poor people. And Jesus said this, she will be remembered for all eternity because of her extravagant gift. Now, here's another example. The church was growing like crazy. This guy named Joseph, who got a nickname, which is Barnabas, because he's such an encouragement. He made everybody feel incredible everywhere he went. I mean, 3,000 people came to Christ in one day. It went from 70 people to five or six or 10 or 20,000. There's no building. There was no funds. There's no way to feed, care for these people. And Barnabas did a crazy thing. He sold a piece of property and brought it and said, use this to care for people that need care right now. And today, Barnabas, who was a real aid to the first century church, is remembered for his generosity, his kindness, and his commitment. I want to ask, do you want to be remembered? For your generosity? How you help people and bless people for? Another reason for the tithe is that there may be food. That is the Heavenly Father's word in my house. What's food? It's ministry. It's resources. And this is true for every place on the face of the earth. It's God's ultimate plan for fulfilling the Great Commission. If the local church in Nepal is not strengthened, the country will never come to Christ. Does that make sense? It is the local church where people belong everywhere. And Christians ought to teach this. Pastors ought to live it. Churches ought to do it because it's in the book. It's our example in the book. That's why I teach from it almost every single year, every nation and every single city. Now, I used to do a lot of revivals when I was a Methodist pastor. Whenever I went, I always took one night to teach this because I knew a lot of pastors wouldn't teach it. They didn't even understand it. And I knew I could bless a church and help that church's culture change to generosity by doing this. If I travel to the Philippines or Ethiopia or other places, 
I always want to help pastors understand this key. This is God's plan. And it's a gift I can gift them with. And God promises, it's his promise, that he's going to bless people everywhere where this is taught. And everywhere it's honored. That's why I say, if you're 18 and you figure this out, or you're 30 and you figure this out, or you're 70 and you figure this out, it will bless your family for generations. Because this is what God's plan is. No exceptions. Now, this is a good part. Our Heavenly Father, is he poor or rich? Which one? Are you sure? He is rich. He is not poor. He is not poor anywhere. He is not poor any time. He is a mighty king, and he wants to help his people. Now, this is one of my mentors, Howard Fultz. Howard died a week ago today. He was 82. I'm going to get on a plane at noon on Tuesday and fly to Colorado Springs because I want to be there. I'm on that board, the board of Ames, which is reaching unreached people groups. Howard spoke in this church five times. I bet he did three mission conferences. I traveled with him to Ethiopia and South Korea and North Korea and Gee, China, I don't know how many places I went with him. I went to be with him so some of what God had on him would come on me. As a brand new Christian, David Wilkerson spotted him and said, I want to send you to Europe and I want you to start Teen Challenges. And Howard and his wife planted 150, maybe 250 Teen Challenges which help people get off dope, alcohol, sex addiction, and, and they built always a church right beside it. He did that for 20 years. Two years ago, they had their 50th anniversary of Teen Challenge in Europe, and they flew him to Holland to honor him and say thank you to you and Pat for blessing Europe by sowing into all of us. Many of the addicts he helped today are mighty servants of the living God. Pat Robertson got him and said, I want you to teach missions at this brand new university called Regents University. And he taught there for 20 years, training pastors and missionaries. And he had this part-time ministry called Ames on the side. There's probably millions of people in heaven because of this man. Now, one of my first trips with him was to Ethiopia. At the time, Ethiopia was the poorest country in the world. And I'll tell you why. Because of something called socialism. Socialism is getting rammed down our throats in America. Every single day, by the media, by people in Washington, uh, by the universities. And let me tell you what happened in Ethiopia. It's bad everywhere. Christianity and socialism do not mix. Five young men, Ethiopians, came to American universities. And guess what they picked up at American universities? Socialism. They went back to Ethiopia. They overthrew the government. And they plunged this beautiful country into chaos. They ruined education. They ruined the hospitals. They ruined the government. There was no government. It's about control. They ruined uh, the economy. The economy was so bad you don't remember this, but Willie Nelson and the Rolling Stones, they all did concerts. We're going to raise $100 million to feed the starving people of Ethiopia. That money never got to anybody. The grain sat on the docks and rotted. The grain was stolen by warlords. 
The socialists made sure they didn't want Christians to get any relief. Matter of fact, the five socialists had two dates on the calendar. This is what Ethiopian pastors told me. We're going to kill every Christian in the country. Because it's always about control. Ethiopia is the size of Alaska. The first date they had to kill and wipe out the church, Somalia invaded them. <laughs> and they couldn't kill the Christians. Eight years later or so, when they were going to kill all the Christians, this famine started and they couldn't kill the Christians. So Howard shows up. He went 40 times in about 20 years to help the church, to teach the scriptures. So he's with pastors. Every time I'm with him, he's with, he was with pastors. And so he just said, we have to, Ethiopians have to be the ones to share the gospel with the unreached people groups of Ethiopia. And the pastors all said this in unison. We can't send out missionaries. Are you crazy? You are a rich American. We are poor. Don't you understand? We are poor. Now, you may want to write this down. This is a generous church, and we're going to help a lot of people in missions. But here's the danger with Western money. If you're not careful, Western money creates Western dependence instead of God dependence. So Howard would teach this passage to pastors. Howard taught the gospel to Ethiopian church leaders. And he would say, okay, let's stand up. You are not poor. Say it with me, please. You are not poor. You are blessed. And God's word is true everywhere. God's word is true for everyone. You have to understand it and you have to apply it. God's word will work here in Ethiopia. And let me tell you what happened over 20 years. God blessed that country. The church came together like no other church in the history of Christendom in the world where the Presbyterians, the Pentecostals, the Wesleyans, the Lutherans, the Baptists came together and said, for the cause of Christ, let's work together. And they identified all the unreached people groups in this huge country. And they divided them up and they came up with a strategy for church planning, for evangelism and discipleship. And every unreached people group was reached. And those wonderful Ethiopians who they could get in unusual countries started going to Yemen and Saudi Arabia. Difficult place, Egypt go to difficult places because I caught the vision of the Great Commission and that God is a rich and powerful God and God will bless anybody and the economy turned around because the Christians started believing the scriptures. God's word works. And yeah, there was some Western money to get started. But essentially all this happened without Western money because God opened the windows of heaven over the, that country. Now, the tithe also proves that God is faithful all the time. And the issue is your lifetime. Yeah, if you honor the Lord with tithes and offerings, there are times where you won't have enough. There'll be times you'll be behind. There'll be time your car breaks down, time you have hospital bills. But I'm talking about over your lifetime, God will lift you and strengthen you and help you. So you look back and go, wow, God is good. Point A, the Heavenly Father says, here's how we do it. He says, I want you to test me. Everyone say, test me. More time. It's a test. I want you to test me. And if you test me, 
Here's what I promise to do. I will open the windows of heaven over your life, your business, and your family, and I will pour out a blessing until it overflows. So you have an abundance to help other people. You pay it forward. You pay it back. And either this is a promise or let's all take our Bibles, take them to the parking lot, let's put them in a pile, put gas on them, and let's burn them. Either it's true or it's not. The word blessing is a wonderful word. It means that God does for you what you could never do for yourself. You couldn't get in your house. You couldn't get a better paying job. Your kids couldn't get scholarships, but he decides to help you. That's what a blessing is. Like the, the day they had 20,000 hungry people on the Sea of Galilee on the shore. Jesus turns to Philip and says, you feed them. He goes, what? You feed them. I don't have any food. Well, get some food. And they found a 12-year-old boy that had five loaves and two fish. He comes up there. I'll tell you what, if you get food from a 12-year-old, you're doing really good. And he said, if you just give me what you have, you're making $10,000, and it's not enough to pay your bills. You don't have enough money to go to grad school. Start where you are. Give back to him. Let him bless and multiply. Another example, Luke chapter 5. Jesus uses Peter's boat to preach from. After it, he gives it back, and he says, I'd like to pay it forward to you. What do you mean? I want you to push out into the deep. Throw your net on the right-hand side, and you'll get everything that you need today. And Peter looked at him, kind of rolled his eyes. No, wait a minute. We fished all night and caught nothing. Uh, you're a carpenter. We're professional fishermen. Fish aren't even out at that time of day. But he said, okay. Peter became a believer. He found out Jesus could take care of him. Point number six, the tithe is holy. Everyone say holy. You know what holy means? Holy means it's different. It's separate. It's special. I'm married to one woman. It's a holy relationship. It's separate. It's special. It's different. And the word holy means it belongs to the Lord. It doesn't belong to me. It belongs to the Lord. How many in this room have given your heart to Jesus? Hold your hand up. You know what that means? You're holy. You're a child of the living God. You can't talk like everybody else. You can't have the same ethics as everybody else or lack of them. You can't mistreat people because you're different. You're special. You belong to him. Now, holiness means this. If you and I touch what belongs to him, it's insulting. It is an affront. Now, before I became a Christian, I was a high school football player, and uh, my coach said uh, he hadn't read the Bible in three weeks, and I went, I've never read the Bible. What's that mean? So I found a King James Bible, and I just started out Genesis. I loved Exodus. was a lot of fun. I died in Leviticus. I went, oh my goodness, I don't have any idea. This is crazy. I'm done with the Bible. Today, I love Leviticus because it's about one theme. The holiness of God. You've been in a rough place called Egypt for 400 years. A lot of gods, a lot of sexual craziness. You have to be different. I want to teach you the difference between what's holy and what's common or profane. And here's another example of that. David, who loves God with all of his heart, he's just been coronated king. The Ark of the Covenant, this box with two angels on the top of it where the Ten Commandments are kept and some of the manna from the wilderness years, he wants to bring it inside 
inside the city. But he didn't follow the rules. He followed how the, how the Philistines did it. He put it on an ox cart. And God kind of gave him space, and he's bringing us in. And what priests are told is very specific ways how to carry the Ark of the Covenant because it's about God's presence. And so the ox cart hit this dip in the road. This thing shifted, and the Ark of the Covenant was about to fall off the Ark. And this really good man, this Levite named Uzzah, puts his hand up to steady, which seems like a good thing to do. And God struck him dead. He did actually steady it, but God struck him dead. You're talking about a church service ending abruptly? Yes, yeah, Steve just fell off the stage. Let's go home. <laughs> the fear of the Lord showed up. David got this good man killed. And the Lord said later, you know what? I told you what I wanted. So this issue of tithes of offering, he say over and over, I'm telling you what I want. Please honor me. Joshua chapter 6. The Israelites come into the promised land. They've been slaves 400 years, and they come into the promised land, and this mammoth mega city named Jericho is the very first city they attack. And they win it miraculously. I've been to Jericho a couple of times to see the remains of the walls and the ground. It's impressive. It's 7,000 years old. It's the oldest lived-in city in the world. To see those walls are impressive. You know, it's covered up by all this building and debris for all these years. They're still finding stuff. Let me tell you what Jericho was. Jericho is a what? test why was it a test he said i've given you farms and ranches and houses and vineyards and streams and forests and herds you don't even have to work for but there's only one thing i ask the very first city don't you touch a thing in it it's holy it's off limits it's mine don't put your greedy hands on the first one you got everything else in 30 days Wait 30 days. And the principle is, when you and I disobey the Lord, the Lord is not some dumb parent that there's no repercussions. He steps back and he goes, Steve, if you want to be a knucklehead, just go right ahead. I'm, I'm not going to play for a while. You let me know when you want me to come back in. And so the very next city, which is a tenth of the size, a little place called Ai, they get their hypotenuses whipped. Their Hebrew fannies whipped. And 36 innocent men die. Because verse 1 says, Israel was unfaithful. So what happens when you disobey the Lord? God steps back and says, I'm not playing for a while. Let me know when you're ready. Then what happens? Darkness fills the void. Darkness always fills the void. So you see the river above the Dead Sea. You see Gilgal where they camped. Jericho where they took the first city. The very next city is Ai. Now, what happens? What is this called? Does anybody know what this is called? It's a dark force field in your life. And you may have one now that started with your grandmother because she disobeyed the Lord. And your mother disobeyed the Lord. And you have all this stuff going on. You don't even know why. Joshua got up the next morning. He's actually, he's laying on his face, whining, going, Oh, God, if we'd have just stayed on the other side of Jordan, why did we do this? You're so mean. The Lord said, get up off the ground. Stop your belly aching. You guys did this. You know what the magic word is? A curse has been loosed. 
And that curse stops you from moving forward. And the curse is never lifted until somebody in that chain says, Lord, we disobeyed you. We are so sorry that I acted out, that I did that horrible thing, and I repent of what I did. I humble myself. And this guy, Aiken, he couldn't wait. He got a big bar of gold about this big. He got a big container of silver coins. I mean, he goes, man, I've hit the jackpot. And he got some beautiful clothing from, from Babylon. And he hid it in his tent. And God saw it. God saw what he did. So you have to repent. But then you have to do the right thing. Now I want to ask you. If Achan's sin caused your 35-year-old husband to get killed by the men from Ai or you lost your oldest son in that battle senselessly, would you be mad? Hold your hand up if you'd be mad. I'd be mad. And God said, I'm not going in. Either you deal with him, or I'm not dealing with you. So they ended up stoning him and his entire family. But this passage in Malachi is about hope. He said, I know you've messed up. Do you know you messed up? Return. Return to me, and I will return to you. Disobedience is costly to everybody. Can I have a keyboard person come out, please? Especially with your money. If there's one person you should never steal from, don't ever rob God. You say, well, pastor, I live on a fixed income. I got a small pension or I'm drawing Social Security. Surely God wouldn't want me to tithe on that. Hey, if I was 95 living in a nursing home and I got some kind of pension, I would make sure that somebody wrote a check for me every month and I tithed. Why? I'll tell you why. The issue is, do you want God to bless you? The issue is, do you want him to protect you? Do you want him to protect your assets? The issue is, do you trust him? The issue is, do you want to sow for the next year? Or are you going to stop sowing? It's not how much money you make. It's how much money he blesses. This little woman... She walked into the temple and Jesus told all the boys, look at this woman. Watch what she just is about to do. She put in two tiny coins and said she's given more than anybody in the whole temple. The scripture we're taught about the first fruits offering. We're taught, taught about firstborn was special. We're taught about the first of our income. We're taught about the best and first part of the day the issue is first keep the Lord first now this is the most important thing I'll say if you're if you don't put the Lord first in your income he's probably not first in anything As believers bring their tithe to the Lord's house, the promise is he will rebuke. He will stand between you and the one who wants to destroy your future. The scripture names him. He's called the devourer. The devourer is Satan, the one that steals, kills, and destroys every single thing he can get his hands on in your life so I'm wrapping this up is the scripture true yes or no does God lie yes or no he does not lie so the tithe is a seed for your future prosperity but you have to sow it before the harvest 
comes. God says, test me because he knows it's not easy to do. Please, sow your seed. Don't eat it all. As God asks all of us, who will you honor? Now, this principle is foundational for life. God told this little six-year-old boy, Samuel, the nation is not honoring me. Eli and his family, the priests, they're not honoring me. But he said to this six, seven-year-old boy, can you fill in the blank with that principle? Little Samuel, if you'll do this all your life, this will carry you. Because God always honors those who, what? Honor him. Well, how do I know what to do, Pastor? Well, trust the scriptures. Don't just listen to me. And trust the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I sat, Sue and I sat through this conference in Atlanta and we looked at each other and said, oh my goodness, we've been robbing the Lord since before we were married. We came home to that little house in the country where I was three months behind in my mortgage. And we confessed, Sue and I got on our knees in front of a little dirty couch and we knelt and said, we've stolen from you, Lord, and we cannot pay back because we would, we just don't have it. But we believe you are forgiving. And if you'll forgive any sin, would you forgive us for us stealing from you, putting our hands on what is holy? But he did forgive us. But we said from this day forward, 39 years ago, from this day forward, we will honor you with everything that comes in because we want to be generous, faithful people. Here's the miracle in our story. We still work like dogs. I still ran four or five ministries. But in three years, living on less money, 10% less money, we paid off every debt in three years. I couldn't believe, how did that happen? How did we pay off every single debt when we didn't have enough money to live on on before? It's because God opened the windows of heaven over us. So here's my suggestion. I've told people all over the world, don't test the Lord for a week. Don't test the Lord for a month because that's not enough time to see what happens. Test the Lord for a year. And if after a year you don't feel like God has been faithful, then we will cut, cut our Bibles up, put them in the middle of a parking lot, we'll throw kerosene on them, and we will burn them. And I've never had one person come back and say, wow, that didn't work. So... I want to close our this time in prayer. I love you. I want to see you have your best year ever. I want to see you get your debts paid off. I want to see you get some scholarships. I want to see you find good people to be with. I want to see the Lord advance you and teach you and lift you and bless you. But you got to give him something to work with. And that's your tithes. And that's your offering. So with every head bowed, every eye closed. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you have not honored the Lord through tithes and offerings, if you've touched what doesn't belong to you and you're willing to confess it, no one's looking, hold your hand up right now. Hold your hand up and acknowledge that you've done that. Secondly, if you're willing, 
to not only repent of your sin, but to honor him from this day forth. And as I lead in prayer, just say it with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I love you. I trust you. And Lord, today, I decide to honor you through tithes and offerings and extravagant giving. Bless me, Lord, as I honor you and teach me your ways in Jesus' name. Now, the altar is open and people will probably come, but if you've got the communion elements, would you take yours, peel off the bottom part that has the bread and just hold it in your hand? And again, this is not a ritual. This is a commitment of worship. And Lord, as we thank you for your body broken for us, we celebrate the healing, sanctifying process of your Holy Spirit working in us. Bring us healing, strength, obedience, and blessing. Take and eat. And also open the other end. Hold it up. So, Lord Jesus, thank you for the greatest, most valuable commodity in all the earth, the blood of Christ, shed that I could be forgiven, shed that I could come back to you. Take and drink in remembrance of what he's done. During this last song, the altar is open. I'm going to ask the rest of the worship team to come out. The altar is open for you to do additional business with the Lord. Just to humble yourself, to say thanks. There's people that will pray for you. And maybe the Lord is calling you to a new ministry, to a new level. Come to the altar and tell him yes. And if you've not given your heart to Jesus, pray with me. Maybe online, pray with me and say, Jesus, be my Savior and Lord today. I give you my life. Make me a new creation and make me your child. In Jesus' name. Come to the altar as we worship. stand let's stand as we worship together Yeah. 
shake before you, the demons run and flee. At the mention of your name, King of majesty, there is no power in hell or Thank you that you have magnified your holiness to us. God, we thank you for your word today, and we thank you for your grace. God, we ask that you would take us deeper by your grace, that we will fully commit ourselves to you. Lead us, Lord. Sanctify us. Empower us. We love you, Lord, and we give you all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for coming and worshiping with us. Um, there are some people up from here if you would like to receive prayer. Have a good week. for joining us at Church of the Savior online today. We hope you are encouraged to pursue God and grow in your walk with Jesus. If you made a decision to follow Jesus for the first time today, please reach out to us. We would love to help you take your next step. 
Please visit our website for information on upcoming events and how you can connect with the COS family. There is also a prayer request form where you can let us know how we can pray for you. Thanks again for tuning in. Hope to see you next week.